0: I come in and very, um, you know, incognito, like not making a scene, trying to fix things that I'm seeing because I'm thinking this is our chance for all these guests and now we look ridiculous. And then I leave the building and remember, I'm at church, but it's not church, but it is church. And I go outside and I think, well, I'm just going to go take a breather, so I'm going to go to our other building. Now, we do have another building. It's right next door. There's some offices. There's a daycare. But I don't go to that building. I go to the other, other building, which we don't have. (laughs) And in the other, other building, I walk in, and there's this large, beautiful, but dusty uh, chapel with beautiful stained glass windows, beautiful imagery. But it's all covered in dust and all the windows are closed, and it's musty. And then I walk past that, and there's this big gym with two basketball courts. But if you step on the court, you notice that the dust print, you know, like the dust comes off on your shoe, and it's the only place on the floor you can actually see the floor. It's dusty. It's not used. And I kind of dribble a basketball around, and and then I, I go back behind there, and there's the classrooms that are dusty. And then I wake up. And I always think, and I've always thought, Lord, is there more resources at this church than we even know that we have? Lord, is there, are, you, are you saying that there's, there's, uh, we have access to things that we have forgotten about that we're not using, that we could use if we had uh, the people who needed them? Uh, are you also telling me not to be so self-conscious about how we appear to people, how we look? What are you telling me? And I, I do think that at least, if this is from the Lord, and if it's not, maybe it's from my subconscious, but even if it's just my subconscious, I do think that there is a point to this dream. Again, I've had it multiple times, and I think the point is this, we don't even have the slightest glimpse of what's available to us for the kingdom of God. That there is, and there are, uh, a community and people who can come and fill those spaces and we have space for them. And now obviously, like I look around this room, and we have space. We have space for more. And that's a gift. That's a good thing, that we have space for more. And we want to see these chairs full, not because we want to be great in ourselves, but because we want... Uh, the gospel of jesus christ proclaimed to more people we want more people whose lives are being uh, uh, transformed by their relationship with jesus and by their relationship with this church we want to see more people who are restored to health through not only the ministry of this church uh, as a as an organization but as we as we encourage and become a community with one another we want to see that and i think i think that dream to me says there's room for that and there's you have more at your disposal than you can possibly imagine that you're not even using and so that's kind of the start that's that's uh, just a little seed to plant there for you to consider as we look at the word today and the the passage that we're going to look at is in matthew chapter 11 if you have a bible open it up to matthew 11 if you don't there is a bible underneath one of the chairs nearby and you can grab that Bible or you can pull out your phone and just type in Matthew 11 in Google and it will take you right to this passage. But I'm going to read it for you. And, um, and I, think it, I think it relates to that whole concept. So in the book of Matthew, if you don't know, the book of Matthew is you know, the story of the life of Jesus Christ. So it's Matthew's account of the life of Jesus. And, and Matthew begins by telling of, of Jesus' birth, and then uh, he talks about how John the Baptist has come to proclaim that there is a Savior who is coming. And John the Baptist is the cousin of Jesus, or second cousin, something like that. And, and John the Baptist preaches this message that, that uh, it's time for us to pay attention because the kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is at hand, and we need to pay attention because we are not ready for the kingdom of God. All right, that's his message. So he's preparing the way for Jesus to come. And he's preaching. He's a, you know, he's preaching in Israel. He's a Jewish man. And, and the, the, the Jews that were alive at the time were coming to listen to him out in the wilderness, out by the River Jordan, because he was kind of a weird, crazy guy. And he had this bold message. And you think about a time when when uh, there was no television and there were no magazines and there was no radio and there were no movies. And, and, and so if you want to be entertained, then you go see the crazy guy in the desert. So you walk out of the city and go see this crazy guy who's preaching this message. But as they arrived, they found that the message was convicting their hearts because they realized they were living in a way that did not acknowledge that the kingdom of God was coming and they needed to change and start living in preparation for the coming of God's kingdom. They need to live in preparation for the coming of God's Savior. This is what John was teaching. And uh, some of Jesus' first disciples were followers of John. And they left John to follow Jesus because when John met Jesus, he said, "Ah, there's the guy. There's the guy I've been talking about. Don't follow me, follow him. But what happened is John eventually is arrested. He is going to be put to death by beheading by the king. And he's having doubts. He's he's got concerns. He's having second thoughts. When Jesus and John met at the River Jordan, John asked Jesus to baptize him. And Jesus says, no, you're going to baptize me. And John puts Jesus under the water of the River Jordan. And then it says that out of heaven... Like a dove, the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus. And a voice from heaven, the Father, God the Father, said, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Right, and so you've, John saw this, he witnessed it. But have you ever had a spiritual moment, a, a spiritual revelation, or even a, some kind of a supernatural experience, and then later you're like, did it really happen? Was I imagining it or was it real? Can you relate to that? John's in that place, partly because he expected that when Jesus came, all these wonderful things happened, and now he's in prison, and he's about to die. So in Matthew 11, we get Jesus talking about John. So John's in prison, and in verse 1 of chapter 11 of Matthew, it says, After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples so, you know, what we've had here is we've had Jesus doing his different teachings. He did, you know, you've got the Sermon on the Mount. You've got these other, uh, he's kind of healing people and teaching along the way. Uh, and, and he says, after he's done with that, he went from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. And Galilee is kind of the, the backwater of Israel. It's not Jerusalem. Uh, it's, it's farther away. It's the poorer area, uh, but it's where Jesus was from. And when John heard in prison what Jesus Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? So you see the doubts that are growing in John's heart. He's the one who told these people, that's the one. And now he says, are you the one? He wants Jesus to confirm it. So Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive sight the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Now Jesus knows that in the Old Testament, all of these things are prophesied to uh, come with the coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Savior, the coming of the kingdom of God, will bring these things. So he says, you tell John what you've seen, and then John will know. He doesn't need to answer directly. And as John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out in the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Did you go out to see someone who was wishy washy and easily uh, uh, maneuvered by the the winds of, of culture and social expectation? No. Well, if not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? Well, no. John wore camel's hair, and he didn't seem to have much in the way of personal hygiene. Uh, he ate weird food—locusts and honey. He didn't drink alcohol. He was—he was a—he was, uh, was a weird dude. He's a weird guy. He says, "No, no. Those who wear fine clothes are in kings' palaces. Then what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes." I tell you and more than a prophet this is a one the one about whom it is written I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you this is a prophecy about the messiah about the savior of god before the savior of god arrives there will be one who prepares a way for him and this is john i tell you the truth among those born of women there has not been risen among there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Okay, so this is this triumphal statement about John. No one in the history of the world has been greater than John the Baptist. Yet, he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. What is, John, what is Jesus saying there? This is really important. He's saying, of all the prophets, and, and the Jewish people would be thinking of Moses, They would be thinking of Elijah. They would be thinking of Isaiah, Daniel, Jeremiah. They would be thinking of the people who most profoundly impact their faith, the heroes of the faith, and Abraham, right? And Jesus says, John the Baptist was greater than all of them. But let me tell you a little secret. Any one of you who are connected to me in the kingdom of God, you'll be greater than John. Now, that actually should be something that you hear as a personal comment about you. Because you, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, if you've turned from your sin and turned to the righteousness of Jesus, meaning that you you acknowledge that he, he died on that cross for you, and that in dying, he took your sin upon himself and put to death the penalty for your sin so that you don't have to die for it. You don't have to pay the price uh, for your failures. You don't have to pay the price for uh, not, not even just the obvious ones, but even the, the, the idea that uh, I think the, the biggest sin that we all have is that we think we're in control of our lives and we try to act like we're in control of our lives when really God is the one Who's the Lord of all creation, right? He, he created us. He made us. He has authority over us uh, in the most beautiful and wonderful way. You know, not as a uh, not as a as a tyrant, but as this loving King. If we have that relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then we are in the kingdom of God. And Jesus is saying, uh, John's greater than everyone. But I'm so great that if you're connected to me, you'll be greater than John. And that applies to everyone in this room. You, you have greater insight into the revelations of heaven than John did. You have greater opportunity to minister in the Holy Spirit than John did. You have greater relationship with God than John did. Because remember, Jesus hasn't yet redeemed the world in this moment. It's a future event for Jesus here, but it's a past event for us. So he says, "He who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John." From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God has been advancing forcefully, and forceful men lay hold of it. Now, if you're looking at your Bible right now, you might be hearing, you might be reading something different than you just heard. Does anyone have a a translation or a reading that says something about violence? What do you have, Ellen? Can you read that verse for us, Uh, verse 12, out loud? Yes, the kingdom of heaven has been subject to violence and violent people have been raiding it. Now, that sounds like a really negative thing, right? And there is this challenge here, and so uh, we don't need to go too deep into it, but there's a translation issue. There's a question of how do we translate uh, this really one Greek word that's used twice, where you heard violent from Ellen and you heard forceful, as I was reading. Uh, It's this one Greek word that can be translated either way. And when it says that, um, I think it said violent men are rating it And this, my translation says, forceful men lay hold of it. Uh, it, That word just means to take. And so if it's a negative thing, it's taking to raid, like steal. And if it's a positive thing, it's taking a hold and kind of owning it. Just like we can use the word take in English. So that's not really a translation issue, except that it's dependent upon this word for violent or forceful. And most of the translations, I'm going to concede this, most of the translations translate this as the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men raid it or steal it or take it. Um, but fortunately, you have a, a greater Greek scholar here than all of the Bible translate. No, you don't. So what business do I have uh, suggesting that it's one or the other? Well, here's the thing. Um, it's interesting that you're reading from the NIV, correct? Now, this is the NIV The previous edition, which I brought today specifically because it has that different translation. So the translators of the NIV, which is the New International Version of the Bible, so all the Bibles that you have, they were, you know, it was written in Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic, and some person or some team of people translated it all into English, unless you're reading the Bible in some other language, and then they translated it into that language, And that's just the process because, you know, people often ask me, well, what does this literally mean in the Greek? And I'm like, well, literally in the Greek, it's Greek. So there is no literally. You have to interpret it into a new language. And sometimes you have these issues where is it uh, violence or is it forceful? Because forceful, the kingdom of God is advancing forcefully, is very different from the kingdom of God suffers violence. And forceful men lay hold of it is very different from violent men raiding it. And so how do we know which one is which? Now, here's the challenge. Greek grammar and Greek vocabulary will not help you make this determination. The translators have to decide, is this a negative thing or a positive thing? And if it's a negative thing, we'll use the word violence. And if it's a positive thing, we'll use the word forceful. It's a tough call. Now, the only... I I have actually in the past thought violent is probably more accurate. But I've really come to change my mind and I'm going to share with you why and then you can decide for yourselves because I'm going to tell you, this is not a scholarly issue. Okay? You cannot do it based on your knowledge of Greek. You have to do it based on what you understand the context to be trying to say. It is a... It is a... um, What's the word I'm looking for? Um... It is a literature issue, not a translation issue. Does that make sense? So how you read it will determine which translation you use. So I'm going to turn quickly. You don't have to go there, but I'm going to turn to Luke. And I'm going to turn to Luke 16, 16, because this is the parallel passage to the Matthew passage. So in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, not so much John, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Gospels, they have a lot of the same stories, Now, here's another little quirky thing that you need to understand about translation. When Jesus said these things, he wasn't speaking Greek. They were written in Greek, so they were already translated by the time they were written down. So oftentimes, they use a little different wording to tell the story that Jesus told. So in Luke 16, 16, see if you notice some parallels. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John the Baptist. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the last stroke of a pin to drop out of the law. So in the parallel passage, Jesus is recorded as saying that men forcefully enter the kingdom of God. The alternative translation would be that men are violently forcing other people into the kingdom of God. Now, which makes more sense? I think, I think what makes more sense here is that Jesus is saying people are clamoring to enter the kingdom as they hear the law and the prophets preached since the days of John when John prepared the way for Jesus to come. And if that's what it means here, then almost certainly in Matthew, it means that forceful People are laying hold of the kingdom, meaning they are entering the kingdom. It's the same meaning. So that's the meaning I'm going to go with today. You make up your mind. But if it does mean forceful, then what it's saying is this. The kingdom of God is not a passive thing, and it's not for passive people. Okay? The kingdom of God is not a passive thing, and it's not a passive thing. It's not for passive people. Uh, Right after that verse, it says, for all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. Almost exact wording of Luke 16. And if you are willing to accept it, he, John, is the Elijah who was to come. What kind of prophet was Elijah? Do you know? He was a very powerful, forceful, bold prophet. This is the guy that when the enemies of God were uh, in, in Israel, were, were worshiping false idols, Elijah said, hey, let's have a little contest between the gods and see which one's better. So I'm gonna set up an altar over here, and you set up an altar over there. I'm gonna pray to the God of heaven, Yahweh, the God of Israel, and you pray to Baal, and you see which one sends fire down to light the altar. And then he said, you know what? Uh, you guys go first. So they're praying to Baal. They're cutting themselves. They're calling out. And Elijah's over there going, hey, maybe he's using the bathroom. Why don't you talk a little louder? And then he's like, hey, maybe he's asleep. Why don't you raise a ruckus and see if you can get his attention? This is literally what it says, except it's in Hebrews. It's not literally what it says. But he's kind of mocking them, right? And they can't get fire from heaven. And then Elijah says, uh, could we get uh, you know, one of those big tanker trucks of water and could we pour that water on here? And they're like, yeah, let's do that. So they're backing it up. Beep, beep, water all over the thing. And he says, oh, Lord God of heaven, here's your altar. <sighs> Fire comes down, lights it up. That's the kind of prophet Elijah was. He's a forceful man who's laying hold of the kingdom of God. I think that's what Jesus wants us to know so here's the thing whether it's Luke 16 16 where the four, you, men, are, men and women are forcefully entering the kingdom of heaven or whether it's Matthew eleven twelve, 12 where where men and women are forcefully laying hold of the kingdom of heaven I think what God wants us to understand is that passivity has no place in the kingdom of heaven spectators Do not enter the kingdom of heaven. God is saying, look, my friends, you need to be like John. John was the kind of guy who was willing to put his head on the chopping block for the kingdom of heaven. And he's the least. He's the least. We can be bold and forceful, powerful, dare I say aggressive, for the kingdom of heaven. Now, You watch Jesus' ministry and you watch John's ministry and you watch the apostles' ministry after him and you learn a little bit about what that looks like. These are men, not only were they willing to die, but they considered it a joy to suffer for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. And yet with each other, they were gentle, caring, compassionate, loving. So in their proclamation of the gospel, they were bold but in their relationships with people, they were loving. And these are not in conflict. They don't have to be in conflict. I believe that we are in a pregnant moment. Do you know what I mean by that? There's an opportunity for new life. And we've been in this pandemic for 18 months and we've been sequestered and we've been, uh, everything's been put on hold. I, I guarantee you, none of us planned, hey, let's take 18 months off of all planning in our life. And I guarantee you that here at church we weren't planning to not do anything new or, or expand or grow for 18 months. No, of course not. We had plans that got truncated, stopped, grinding to a halt. But now we have this opportunity to step back out, to step into our God-given, God-ordained calling and future if we'll be bold if we will grab a hold of the kingdom of God if we will force our way into the kingdom of heaven not passively but boldly and you know what it makes me think of Um, it makes me think of surfers you guys ever has anyone in here ever been surfing surfing Okay, good, because I have not either. But I have watched surfing movies. (laughs) Yes, I am now, I've seen three surfing movies, so I'm an expert on surfing. So what I've learned about surfing from watching people and hearing people who surf is that uh, the reality is you don't know when the good waves are coming, right? And the people who are really good at surfing they can tell when a wave is coming before the newbies. But they still don't really know when it's coming. They have to be alert and watch and be attuned to the ocean, to the water, to the waves. And then when they think a wave, might a good wave might be coming, they have to paddle out very quickly on their board to get in position so that they're in the right place at the right time to catch the wave and experience the thrill of the ride, the glory of, you know, of, of surfing through that that what do they call it the pipe i don't even know it see i'm no expert on surfing but it's so cool when they do that and then if you watch these huge waves like in hawaii and other places what you see is uh, they film the guy who gets up or the girl who gets up on the board but if you if you're paying attention you see all these other people falling because they weren't in the right place at the right time and the camera follows the one person who was and they get all the glory now I'm not saying it's all for our glory, but there is something amazing about being the person who was in the right place at the right time because they were staying alert and they aggressively moved into position at just the right moment to catch the wave. And then you see all the other people who were like, dare I say, failing, <laughs> failing to catch the wave because they either weren't paying attention well enough or they weren't aggressive enough to get into position. Or, you know, or they're new and they're learning and they're trying and we root them on. Better luck next time, pal. Right? I think we're in one of those moments. God is saying, if you get in position, if you prepare yourself now, you will be able to lay hold of the kingdom of heaven. But if you don't, you're going to be watching other people do it. And you'll cheer them on and you'll be happy for them. But you'll wonder, why not me? and this is whether whether today you need to receive the gospel receive the forgiveness of christ and enter into the kingdom of heaven forcefully or whether you're a believer in jesus already and now you need to lay hold of this advancing kingdom you know the other image i have is uh uh, it's a you know the kingdom of god is advancing forcefully i get this image of the running of the bulls you know i'm talking about where is that Yes, but where in Spain is the Pamplona, the running of the bulls? And every once in a while, you see, you know, people are like jumping up on the the houses on the side and onto whatever they can get away from. But every once in a while, you see that guy that jumps on a bull. And he cannot let go because if he let goes, he is dead. But what a ride that would be. The kingdom of God is advancing forcefully and forceful men lay hold of it and they get that ride. And you can't let go. You hold on for dear life. I think that's what it's like. I think that's what life with the Holy Spirit is like. You don't know when he's going to come or where he's going to go, Jesus says in John chapter 3. But when he comes, you grab on and you hold on for dear life. So here's the thing. You have to already be in position when the wave hits or it's too late. So you have to be alert. You have to be awake. You have to keep your eye on what God is doing. You have to be listening to the Lord. And then you have to act before it's obvious that you should act. That's what faith is all about. Faith is acting before it's obvious that you should act. It's about doing what God says even if you can't see why yet right so here's here's the here's the cool thing i'm planning this sermon i'm gonna tell you about my dream and then what happens friday night but i have the exact same dream except for the very first time it's different so we're here and this time we're here and it's here and because of coronavirus we, had few, we have fewer chairs. Now, we have fewer chairs in here than we normally would. But remember even like three months ago how few chairs we had in here? It was like that, fewer chairs. And the chairs are full, and people are coming in. And it's like the school group comes in, and the neighborhood group comes in, and the, and the people are coming in. And what happens? They have to sit on the floor because there's no seats for them. Now, I will tell you, as a pastor what i'm thinking is why are our church members not getting up and giving them their seats and why are they not why are they not going downstairs to get more chairs to fill in the spaces but no one's doing any of that and the people are sitting on the floor and they're uncomfortable and i'm literally trying to preach this matthew 11 sermon but they're to be, hey, where are the chairs? Wow, it's really uncomfortable here. Why can't, what's going on here? I can't, I, can't, uh, I can't figure out where I'm supposed to be. And they're like crowding up here, and I can't even preach, right? And then I realize in my head, in the dream, I'm like, I'm preaching the wrong sermon for this community that's here now. And then we stop, and then people start to get up and grab chairs and that's the end of the dream and and I'm thinking ah we didn't watch the signs we weren't ready and when it happened we didn't move quickly enough and I didn't move I didn't transition quickly enough and we didn't transition quickly enough to make space for what God is going to do in our midst and church I believe yeah I believe you know it's like everything's going wrong the 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 music was music was going wrong beth you need to start doing a better job in my dreams it's so frustrating and she does such a great job in real life but it's really frustrating What? yes please the the prayers weren't right the technology wasn't working i'm like hello 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 sound check and no one's paying attention Everything's going wrong. The sermon's the wrong sermon. Everything. And we missed the opportunity. We missed the opportunity and we let it pass us by so we didn't experience the joy, the excitement, the sense of accomplishment, the thrill of riding the wave. We missed it. And they missed it too. Right? They were forcefully entering into this place to enter the kingdom of heaven and yet we were not ready To assist them in the passage. So here's what I here's what I think, Church. And you know, this verse or this passage here in John, these dreams I've been having. You know, maybe I'm making a connection that shouldn't be made. Again, I'll let you decide. I think I'd like for you to pray about it. Pray about it um, sincerely. I wonder if God is asking us to get ready for something. That is not inevitable, but it is possible. I truly believe that right now, it is a pregnant moment. I think we've got a world out there that would not have entered a church two years ago, but will come to church today. I believe there's people who would not have been interested in Jesus Christ two years ago who would be interested in Jesus Christ today. I think that we are more attuned to our mortality than we've been in a long time. I think we are more attuned to the fragility of our community than we've been in a long time. I think we are more frustrated with the promises of social media than we've ever been, and we want real family community. I think that... um, there's an urgency for many people not only about their need for salvation but for their desire for relationship and in Jesus and in the church they can find both they can find both so i'm suggesting church that we need to be bold and forceful and lay hold of the kingdom of god i know last week you heard a rousing message and and you you came forward to be prayed over and anointed and and you are asking for the holy spirit to empower you to serve. And I'm saying, yes. Absolutely. We need to serve in a way that we haven't served before as a church. We need to come together for the in the lord the way in ways that we haven't come together before. We need to lean into transformation in ways that we haven't leaned into transformation before. We need to use everything God has given us. We need to we need to uh, uh, clean up that extra building that we have that it's not a physical building but it's this, these resources that we have in God we need to clean that out and open the doors and air it out and get it ready for the people that are going to come it's a time to act but I'm telling you if we wait until it happens to act we'll have waited too long and it won't happen I think this is true always and I think it's especially true now. So we need to be like that surfer or that guy in Pamplona who just says, all right, it's going to come soon. So I'm going to get and for the surfer. I'm going to get out there among the waves so that when the wave comes and I'm paying attention, I'm being alert and I'm, I'm listening to my intuition even. Then I can get position. Or... The bulls are coming, let's go out in the street and get ready to jump. Be ready. Because you know, we can miss our wave, right? But we don't have to. So what does it look like to not miss the wave? All right. So I'm going to be really practical here for a moment. Um, it's very vague to say pay attention, okay? But at the same time, uh, there's this phrase that we have learned Uh, Called radical attention paying, and what radical attention paying means is that when you are in a conversation with a coworker, then and 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 they mention, you know, something about I don't know. It could be, you know, during during the pandemic, I I, uh, there were moments where I just I was scared, and your intent to go up. And you're like, oh, here's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity, or you know, they they mention how their child is struggling with not having been with their friends for a long time. You ah, there's an opportunity, and it's just an opportunity for you to say something like, you know, I was scared too, and I just I just thank God that that even though I was scared, I knew He was with me, and if something did happen to me, I know where I'm going. And then you wait and see. Wait and see what response you get. You might be surprised. Uh, being, being a radical attention pair also means that you're asking the Lord for opportunities. To notice opportunities. So, you know, we've encouraged you to pray this prayer, this tend to be prayer. Luke ten, two says the Lord, the, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. And pray that the Lord would send you into the harvest field and pray for opportunities to share the gospel and then look for them. I've never, ever, ever asked God to give me an opportunity and then looked for it and didn't find it. Never. There's plenty of times i prayed for it and then forgot about it. I think they were there and I wasn't looking. There are times I looked for it and didn't pray about it most of those times I still found one because God wants to do this but I've never you know I I don't remember ever someone coming up to me and saying hi my name is Joseph I don't know who you are but would you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with me that just hasn't happened now start praying for that if you want but I think be a little proactive be bold don't wait um, it, it's, it's the kind of thing where you say, oh, my friend my friend has, uh, has some openness to the Lord. I'm going to invite her to church. Just going to invite her. Some of you are here today because of an invitation. I don't know what the Lord's doing, but hey, you're here just from an invitation. And, and, and I'm saying there, there's opportunity. We have also still... People in need who can be served. And nothing shows the love of God greater than the people of God serving and showing love practically. We can do that. We don't have to wait. We don't have to wait for someone to come to us and tell us what they need either. We can be alert. I talked about gathering to pray. I do this sometimes. I should do it more. But do you ever just take a walk in your neighborhood and pray about the neighborhood? So I usually do it when I'm running. When I do it i 'm not saying I do it every time I run, but you know when I go running and I pray over the neighborhood and i've I felt like God has shown me things and given me a passion for things, and you know i don't always follow up on it because because I, I also fall short, but I want to be more bold too. I want to be more proactive too I want to follow up on the things that God is putting on my heart right and so it could just mean that, uh, uh, look, we, we're going to be restarting children's ministry, and we need servants. We need people, not who have great skill. I mean, we love great skill, and most of you, if not all of you, have great skill. But what we really need the most are people who love children and love God and can bring those things together to serve. Uh, we, we have a, we're going to have a need to um, t- to clean out uh, a storage room and you think well how does that relate to the kingdom it's like you know if we have mold in here and we don't take care of it then we, we don't need to be inviting people downstairs into that space and it's right next to the nursery <laughs> but now we know about the mold and now we're going to take care of it but we need your help we need your help to make that possible it's just all these little things uh, that when they come together they converge in this this common reality, which is be alert to what God is doing, be alert to the needs around you, and then act. Act. Among those born of women, there has not been anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. And forceful men lay hold of it. And I would add forceful women lay hold of it. Church, this is our call. But it's also a promise. If you are bold, you will lay hold of the kingdom of heaven because in Christ you have more in you to do this than John the Baptist did. Greater than John. Now, what I want to do right now is I want to give you a moment to reflect. God, what do you want me to do? But before you do that, I'm challenging you to agree in your own heart and your own mind that whatever it is, you're going to do it boldly. Not with trepidation, not shirking back, not thinking, oh, that's for someone else but to actually trust that the Lord knows what you can do better than you do and that he can empower you to do things that you don't even know you can do. And so as you take a moment in prayer, and and maybe the the response is, I need to put my trust in Jesus for the first time. Right? That you're, you're boldly and forcefully entering the kingdom of heaven. Finding that hope that salvation that peace that comfort that restoration that you've been longing for maybe you need to step up in faith and serve here and give here and be a part of what this is this community is more and maybe god is going to show you opportunities to boldly be a testament to him outside of these walls in your communities in your family at your workplace with your friends and maybe it's none of the above maybe it's something else but can we decide that we're going to say yes to what God asks us to do before we even ask amen alright so I'm going to pray for you and then I'm going to give you a moment to reflect and then we're just going to close in worship well Lord the, the call is big it's, it's big and it's scary and it's great, uh, but it also has so much promise in it. And so, Lord, my prayer for us, for this congregation, is that we would not be afraid to step into these transformative moments, that we would indeed lean joyfully into transformation. God, that we would not be afraid to use what we have and what you've given us for your mission and for your glory. God, that, that we can open up those, those uh, extra resources that we have we can dust them off and we can put them to work for the kingdom of god lord that if anyone here is uh, feeling a need for for your love and salvation lord that they would respond in faith and put their trust in you even for the first time or maybe they want to recommit themselves to what to to the calling that you've given just on their life to be faithful disciples of jesus christ to find their salvation, their hope, their future in Jesus, or whichever of those it is. Lord, would you speak to us now, and would you put a little pinprick in our heart that says, you know, this is what I'm calling you to do. I'm calling you to step out in faith to trust Jesus. I'm calling you to step out in faith to to serve in ways you have it. I'm calling you to step out in faith to do things that scare you, calling you to step out in faith to proclaim a message that is not necessarily popular because it's the bold and the forceful and the courageous who lay hold of the kingdom of heaven. God, would you speak to us?